Has anyone actually met David Brady's wife, and is she real? Yes. <laughs> that's an excellent question. Chuck claims she's real, but that's as far as we know. I, I can do one James, better. I have James, seen you- David Brady and his wife in a church. <laughs> <laughs> we were setting it on oh. fire, but he did see us there. <laughs> Hosting and bandwidth provided by the Blue Box Group. Check them out at bluebox.net. This episode is sponsored by JetBrains, makers of RubyMine. If you like having an IDE that provides great inline debugging tools, built-in version control, and intelligent code insight and refactorings, check out RubyMine by going to jetbrains.com ruby. This podcast is sponsored by New Relic. To track and optimize your application performance, go to rubyrogues.com slash newrelic. Hey everybody, and welcome to episode 82 of the Ruby Rogues Podcast. This week on our panel we have James Edward Gray. Good morning everyone. Katrina Owen. Hello. David Brady. Holy crap, did you just say Katrina Owen? And I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv. We also have a special guest, and that's Michael Reese. Yep, good morning interwebs. So we're going to be talking about Vagrant, but before we get started we're going to have a best of parlay from James. Yeah, uh, the cool thing about parlay this week, in my opinion, is that you can basically use it as the insider information channel on the Ruby Rogues. For example, if someday we were to bring on a new rogue, it might just happen that we would mention it there. Uh, Another thing that's been announced there is the Ruby Newbie Project winners, which are Elise Worthy, Aaron Parker, Jeff Petrie, and Matt, I'm going with Ruzica. He didn't pronounce his last name in his video, so if he got, if I got it wrong, it's his fault. My uh, money's still on that he cannot pronounce his last name, and so he doesn't. That's a good point. We will yep. challenge him to do so when he yep. comes on the show. Yep. And then whatever he goes with, we will say he's wrong. If, if he actually can't, I'm going to feel bad. <laughs> All right, now I'm building a Rails app that's a random last name generator. <laughs> So we will have those newbies on the show at a future time. So Ruby Parlay, Ruby Rogues Parlay is a great place to find out what we're up to when we're not recording episodes. So if we were to announce a new rogue on the mailing list, who would the new rogue be? I don't know. You have to sign up for the mailing list to find out. All right, that's fair. I I guess somebody paying attention to the call, the careful listener may have already figured something out. Never. No. What are we talking about today, Chuck? We're talking about uh, vagrants or vagrant. Yeah, since we can uh, talk about vagrants too. This is going to be the best. We are experts. Since um, Josh isn't here, I felt kind of compelled to provide a definition this time. Uh, So I looked it up in the dictionary. It's a person without a settled home or regular work who wanders from place to place and lives by begging. Hey, we're all contractors, right? So, Michael, tell us what you had in mind when you brought up the topic Vagrant. So, I was listening to the uh, Development Environments episode, and uh, when I think it was David was talking about switching back to Linux, and you and Avdi were kind of riffing on uh, the pros and cons of being a more pure Linux-type environment versus Mac OS, and, and I think I just tweeted at Ruby Rogues and said, hey, how come none of you guys brought up using Mac but running Vagrant? Because that kind of gives you both the best of both worlds, and... Somehow that landed me here. Oh, so I, I have an answer for you now that you're on the show. It's because I've done that extensively, and it's awful. 
Uh-oh. Are you ready? No, it's... Uh, so, I've actually, I freaking love Vagrant. I, I'm not a huge fan of developing on virtual machines just because I can feel the speed hit when I leave native hardware and go into... Uh, what's the opposite of native... Anyway, non-native hardware into emulated virtual machine land. But what I freaking love is the push-button development environment. It's, it's like, check out the repo and, you know, install Vagrant and do Vagrant up and you're done. And yeah. it builds everything. I love it. Yeah, I think that's a big pro. Um, and definitely one of the other big pros is just having a development environment that's a lot more like where your code's going to end up actually running in production. Yeah. Can you kind of describe, for somebody who doesn't know what Vagrant is like, this is a mind-bending experience. So can, can you describe what it's like just walking in off the street as a developer, uh, as a Vagrant, uh, walking in the, <laughs> off the street? I'm sorry, I meant to say contractor. And you've got this vanilla MacBook Pro or Linux machine. And how do you get from there to a fully set up, working, running uh, development machine? Yeah, so I think the, the easiest comparison you can make that maybe a lot of developers have experience with is if you've ever come onto a new team and they assign you a development machine, so some pretty small VM that lives in the data center and is running something similar to the production uh, stack, and that's kind of your box, and now you install whatever dependencies. And usually what I tell people is like, hey, when you walk into a project, how many days do you spend just trying to get that freaking thing working, yeah. just trying to get to the point where you can see a screen that has the code running and you can actually start to write some code. And it can be extremely frustrating. So like a typical Vagrant workflow would actually look something like you walk into the new team and they say, hey, we put you on the GitHub organization or whatever, go pull down this repo. And you install VirtualBox and Vagrant, which are two uh, relatively small downloads. And then you say Vagrant up. And there you are. The whole thing boots. Usually takes, I don't know, for most of the machines we use at work, it's sub five minutes. So one to two, three minutes, something like that. And, and it is running. And you can immediately just open up your browser and see that app running. So the config comes from the Git repo that you checked out? Yeah. So every Vagrant project, you just have a Vagrant, which uh, is just Ruby code. It's just Ruby syntax. But um it, you can just stick it in the root of your project, and then the Vagrant CLI will see that file and know what base image to use, how to provision it, stuff like that. Right, so you just get, uh, you, you set up a Vagrant file in your directory, wherever you want to launch Vagrant from, and then you just Vagrant up and it goes. My understanding is, is, is that the Vagrant file is Puppet, or based on Puppet, or similar to Puppet? I think, and I, I may be wrong, correct me here, Michael, but I believe you can actually choose... Uh, which provisioner you want to use, and I think it, it supports things like Chef and Puppet and also uh, just straight shell if you just want to throw some shell commands at it. Yeah, so you can, you, can, you can mix and match to some degree as well. So if you want to use a few shell commands to kind of kick things off and then from there jump in and go ahead and boot to Puppet, then it'll do that for you. Um, and I've even seen my sysadmins at work for some reason like CF Engine, and so I even looked into... A CF Engine plugin that will let you configure it using the existing CF Engine rules. Um, but we found out that CF Engine is terrible for provisioning. And so we ditched that and just went back to Puppet and told our sysadmins to suck it up. <laughs> that is a fair point, though. Uh, Vagrant, Vagrant supports a, a pretty rich plugin architecture, right? Where you can pretty much change just about anything you want in it. 
And it works with VirtualBox off the shelf, right? Does it work with any of the others, like VMware or anything? Not that I know of. I think it's just VirtualBox. Is that Oracle? Oracle's VirtualBox. Oracle's, Oracle's VirtualBox, yeah. The the other one, the, my favorite, not my favorite, but my the most fascinating provisioner I've seen with Vagrant is nothing, where I walked into a team and they said, check out this image file. And and it was already provisioned. And it, like it had the database set up. It had test data in it. I think it had <laughs> unchecked out fi- or uncommitted files in the in the repo. It it wasn't great, but the point is is that you can you can tell Vagrant right that I want you to go ahead and bring up this this blank machine and I want you to install Postgres or or I want you to install Ruby on Rails and I want you to recompile a custom version of Ruby. But if that's something that you do all the freaking time and it never ever changes, you can just snapshot the image and then say Vagrant's going to start with this go. And you're you're just done. I, I like that. In some respects, it kind of makes me think of EC2 that way. You know, you have the mm-hmm. EC2 mm-hmm. images, and you kind of take an EC2 image and then customize it to what you want it to be, and then resave it as a new image. Kind of. That's really what you should rebrand Vagrant as, because it's like EC2 went like that fell out of the cloud. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I like that. So this is this is kind of interesting. Why? Why do this? We should probably have this discussion. Like, um, what does it matter if your development environment is different from your production environment? Ooh, ooh, I'll bite that one. So <laughs> I actually first looked into Vagrant because um, we were running a Magento install in one of our uh, for one of our projects at work, which I don't recommend. But uh, we ran into this problem where um, like half of our production boxes run CentOS five and half of them are CentOS six. And it just so happened that we were releasing some new code to interact with the credit card payment processor. And um, the defaults for curl changed somewhere in the various versions between CentOS 5 and 6. And so on, um, on the development machine, since he, this developer primarily deployed to some CentOS 5 machines, so his dev box was CentOS 5. And uh, everything worked fine on his dev box, but then, of course, as soon as he pushes it to production... Now, it doesn't follow location headers by default anymore, which he never bothered to test. And so it goes live, 